I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today is a former basketball player at the University of Houston who realized he needed to change his dreams of being an NBA basketball player and shift gears and become a dentist. In fact, the area he chose to, to study was orthodontics, which is not well represented by African Americans. Mo Martins happens to be six foot ten. So you can imagine the challenges of a six foot ten African American beginning to establish his practice and build his credibility. He will take us through that journey and what it was like coming to an area of Western Pennsylvania that was not well integrated. We welcome our guest, Mo Martins. Got a unique guest today, an individual that grew up in the South and came up within the North uh, to become an orthodontist, uh, is a true entrepreneur, and really want to track his experiences, how basketball played a role in his life, and how he has expanded uh, his profession and the opportunity for African Americans in his field. Looking forward to speaking with Mo. We've known each other for seven years. So talk about where you grew up, how you got into basketball, and how that led to you being interested in going into dentistry. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, uh, Mr. Hughes. You don't know how big of a role you've played in my life. We have been knowing each other for seven years, but it feels like I've known you for all of my life. You've guided me through a lot. So I just want to say thank you for the opportunity that you've given me with your family and then also the opportunity that you know, you provided uh, me when I was during my residency. Basketball was a thing, you know, growing up six foot 10. Hey, look, you know, uh, the only option you had was either to somehow make it in sports, go in the NBA and follow the footsteps of the great or uh, just get a job. And um, I grew up in a strict household and thank God for that. Um, my parents knew that I played basketball and they, you know, it, it kept me away from a lot and they wanted me to, to do that. Uh, but they wanted me to focus on education. They wanted me to go into a career that would last me for the rest of my life. I remember my dad said to me, it's like, you play, but I'm going to come to the games I can make it to. And he made it to one um, game. And when I played at the University of Houston, um, I noticed early on that, hey, not everyone was going to make it into the National um, Basketball Association and that I needed to um, look into other things that I could follow that will provide a, a, a good life for myself. And um, that's how I came about in dentistry. And I was afforded the opportunity to shadow the team dentist at that time in the University of Houston. And he opened his doors to me, which led me into the path that I am now. So talk about how you got into being orthodontist. So you had to go to dental school, and then you had to decide on a specialty. So how did that all work? Yes. Yeah, so I spent 
14 years of higher education. I uh, played basketball at the University of Houston, like I said, and that was my focus. I like to say I, I learned a, a lot from that extra year that I stayed at the University of Houston. So I did my four years um, there. Um, I was fortunate enough to go forward with and get my master's. So I did get my master's, and then I went directly into uh, dental school, the Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I did my four years of dental school there. What's so funny is that I knew nothing about orthodontia until maybe my second year of dental school. I knew that it was a specialty that was going to be hard to get into. Number one, um, you had to be the top 5% of your class or 2% of your class to get in. And I also knew that there weren't a lot of African-Americans in the profession. So at that time, I just felt like that was going to be my only path is that I go to Howard for um, specialty school. But luckily for me, I got accepted by uh, Seton Hill University and Mr. Don Renshu, Dr. Don Renshu, excuse me, who gave me the opportunity to come to his school and um, be the first African-American doctor to graduate from Seton Hill University College of Orthodontics. That was the path. And I spent two years there fortunate enough to join a group that I'm in now to expand my horizons and become a, uh, a principal within my group now. Talk about the role sports played and the things you learned as an athlete and how that has carried on to your professional career. Huge. Um, I think if you've ever been an athlete, you know what consistency, drive, dedication is all about. And that's what I learned. Um, from playing basketball is that, you know, I never played basketball growing up. It was always football for me. I knew that I was behind the ball coming into basketball, especially on the collegiate level. And I knew that I had to put more time and I had to dedicate that to my sport. That in turn turned into what I'm doing now, um, knowing that, you know, what coming into this field, I have to put so much dedication put together a team, have that team work together to become as great as we are now. You came to an area of Western Pennsylvania that doesn't have a lot of African-Americans. You also, when you were going through dental school, took jobs on the weekends. And one of the places you went was Punxsutawney, everybody knows about. So talk about what some of those experiences were like being an African-American going to a 99.9% Caucasian environment and how you were treated by police. Wow. That's one that hits really close to home for me because, again, I was, even though I grew up in the South, I didn't experience the um, very slim margin of diversity that um, that area lacked. It was something in me that God placed in me that he said, hey, look, I have to take you to an area where you can be isolated and become uncomfortable. And at that time, going through it, I, I, I didn't know. I, I can't tell you that, hey, I knew that if I did this, I would be this and this. I questioned myself often about my location, uh, my reasoning for my location. But at the same time, um, looking back on it, I met some great people. And I learned how to navigate myself in an environment that wasn't comfortable. I knew that I, even though I was very rare in the area, I knew that I had to learn how to relate to others outside of my comfort zone. How did you do that? How, how did you develop a feel for how to interact and gain trust and, and be able to be productive and not be uh, paranoid about what was going on around you? You know, again, it's, it's, it's sports. You know, you, you walk onto a team and 
you know, you don't know who, the skill level of the next person. So you have to gain and understand that person's strengths and weaknesses. And that's what I learned there. I just studied the, the environment that I was. I knew that I wasn't going to change my environment. I knew that I needed to adapt and change my mentality. And that was the biggest thing. And that's what sports taught playing basketball for University of Houston taught me is that I needed to be able to adapt, mold myself into a better person despite what was around me. And that's what I did. Talk about that incident with the police. That was interesting. Um, you know, I was on my way to Punxsutawney to work on the weekends, you know, while all my colleagues were golfing. I, I didn't have that opportunity. Um, and I was running late. So, of course, I, I was speeding and there was a car in front of me. So I, you know, maneuvered around him, not knowing coming the opposite way was an um, unmarked car. And um, it was like three or four of them. So, you know, it was a very close interaction. I made it through, thank God. But they pulled me over and it, it was some words I'll never forget, which was, I should pull you out of the car and let you have it. Um, and, you know, that was just, you know, devastating in, in so many ways. But I thank God that, you know, I made it out of that situation. But, um, you know, he had some other choice words to say to me pertaining to my skin color and whatnot. But I knew that my focus was way better to um, to engage in that conversation. So luckily for me, I got away. And I hate to say that luckily for me because of my skin tone. Um, I got away. I did receive like eight tickets. <laughs> um, and they all got expunged. So I thank God for that. Talk about what you've done now professionally. I mean, you've come into a practice, you've grown it. I mean, you've gone from, you know, someone who was struggling to someone that, you know, would be idolized by many people in your profession in terms of the businesses that you've acquired. Talk about what your business looks like and how you've made acquisitions and what it looks like on a, on a grand scheme. I'm truly honored. It, Again, like sports, it was a team effort. I was very fortunate to grow um, to join a group, North American Dental Group, and the CEO. What is that? North American Dental Group is the third largest dental service organization. Um, we are a team of dental companies. So basically, you know, you have a dental practice. It's managed by uh, what we call a DSO, a dental service organization. Early on in my career, it was an opportunity to meet Ken Cooper, who's the CEO of the company um, now. And he took me under his wings. He, we spoke numerous amount of times about my vision of um, being an entrepreneur and not just an orthodontist. He helped map that out. And my goal was always to own um, and operate 20 orthodontic practices. And he looked at me and said, Let's do it. And at that time, I think he had about 30 dental groups um, practices underneath his um, management group. We mapped it out. And uh, seven years later, you have 11 orthodontic practices from Northeast Ohio dropping down into PA. Um, on top of that, he has brought me into the real estate. So we have over um, together over six dental buildings. And on the personal side, I've been able to acquire over 18 real estate houses and three uh, apartments. So orthodontics has done uh, wonders for me. I normally don't talk about that, so if you hear me as a but um, I'm very fortunate and God has um, done some wonders in my life to expand from orthodontics into the real estate side of things. And um, hopefully soon I'll be jumping into uh, more of the philanthropy side of things. So talk about how, you, how the real estate piece came. I mean, clearly you had a vision about 
building and growing practices so you had more impact. Yeah. I had the real estate piece come and talk about African-Americans uh, that you'd be compared with in terms of your line of work and whether or not there's many people uh, in this field that have achieved what you have at such a young age. I mean, you're not even 40 yet. No, I'm not. Um, again, the real estate comes from my dad. My dad sold real estate for 25 years, never owned a property. 25 years. I, I watched my dad work and work and work, and he never owned a home that he lived in until like the last year uh, when I moved away. I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I said to myself, you know, that's not going to be me. And so that's where the real, side, real estate side of things came along was that I, I knew that I, I wanted to own and, and, and not be a renter for the rest of my life. And so with that mentality, I acquired my first property while I was in dental school. I mean, which is really, really, really rare. Like no one without any um, support from my, my parents, um, I was just able to work. And I, I, I moonlighted, I worked, I um, bounced at a nightclub. I did whatever I had to do to get the down payment and pay for my first piece of property. And I did, and which I still own. Um, it's part of my portfolio. As far as individuals who have the same opportunity um, as I did it, as being African-American, very slim. I don't know too many, and that's very unfortunate. But I'm, my job is to bring that to light. That's my goal, is to take the knowledge that I have and, and, and bring it back to the community to let them know that, look, you don't have to necessarily dribble a ball or, or run a football to say that's all you have. So as far as orthodontist, uh, African-American orthodontist, very slim. I, I don't think you even go into the double digits of African-American males that are in the um, field of orthodontics. So here you are being this big black man, and many of your children that come in to see you are white. Yes. So how do you build this bond? And they see this big black man coming in and you're going to work in their mouth and you've got to build a relationship with them. Talk about how you do that because you've got this incredible smile and personality that our audience can't see, but it's uplifting. It's, it's, uh, you make people feel good about who they are and you're always upbeat. So how do you translate all that into your patient relationship, how you deal with the parent. Well, some yeah. Most of your patients, large majority are you know, under 15 years old. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think it's just, you know, that gift that God gives each and every one of us, right? Um, I, I am understanding of being 6'10", 280. I, I know that's abnormal when you look at a small area. <laughs> You know, and, and the first thing is, why aren't you playing basketball? Well, I just introduced myself as Dr. Martins, but you still should be playing basketball. So, you know, you have to, first of all, get that out of your mindset that most people don't or have not seen someone of my liking in the realm of where I am. So it's my job to be able to make you comfortable, to make you understand that my focus is your outcome. And and that's it. Is this my focus is your outcome. So I'm, I'm definitely going to dig into you a little bit, trying to find more about you. And then once I get that, I play off of that. And that's the key thing is that once I make you comfortable, I've won you. And, and, and that's just like anything else. Talk about an example of someone that came in and they may have been crying when they saw you and what you did specifically. To- I mean, it, it, let's, be, let's be frank. It, it happens. I, I recently got an email of a kid who had high anxiety um, and that he didn't want to see me because I scare him. And naturally, as a human, you're like, what? <laughs> you know, like, 
what did I say to the kid? You know, you come in the office, you have music playing, it's vibrant and whatnot. I think I had to get to a point where I had to control my mind. Um, and that's the most important thing is control my mind, help that help me understand that number one, I'm not gonna win over ever everyone, but if I went over the majority, I'm happy with that. How I overcame it again, touch base with the parent, let them know that, hey, look, we have another doctor. Um, and I want Johnny to feel special about, you know, orthodontic treatment. So let's transfer him to Johnny, uh, Dr. B. And if Dr. B's happy, he's happy with Dr. B, great, we'll keep that moving. So you you position them, move them away as opposed to you continuing to work with them. Yeah, because it, that's a very, very, very um, sensitive subject because if you press the issue and the kid's like, no, I'm really, you know, anxious, then you run into, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, litigation and, and, you know, my goal is to stay away from that. But that's one, I mean, it's a black swan event. Like you don't see that often. You're not going to have every kid. Most kids love the fact that I have a pair of Jordans on that they saw on TV or they saw on basketball players. So they're engaged in that um, aspect. And they love the music. They love the, you know, the teammates, my teammates here at the office. So they're not really too concerned about that. Talk about the environment you've created at the office. That's my word every morning. Energy. I need energy. And if you don't have energy, let's shut it down. Because I, I do believe that if... I'm down, the team's down, the team's down, the patients are down, and then you don't have a, a, a place you want to be. So for us, we wake up, uh, uh, excuse me, we get up and we talk about our one word gratitudes. So we start off with that. What are you thankful for? And, you know, we have music playing in the background. We're dancing. We're moving. You know, if you come into one of my offices, we are vibrant in color. So energy is the word. So, Mo, as you look at the future, what's the future look for you in terms of how many practices do you think you're going to end up with? What, what's your real estate portfolio look like? I never set limits. I, to be honest with you, even though I talked about this, I, I can't believe it's, I'm here. Ideally, my goal is to get as big as I can, to maximize my, my, my platform. So if that's 20, if that's 30, if that's 50, I pray that I learn from it and I maximize that platform. As far as real estate is concerned, uh, you know, again, I don't want to set a limit to it. I hope one day that I could uh, become international with it. I hope I, you know, I can say, you know, Mr. Hughes, I love you so much. Meet me in Paris. I have a chateau over there. You know, everything is taken care of. That, that's my goal. And so I, I, I dare not say, hey, I want to reach 10 properties or 25 or 25 properties and stop. No, I, I want to be internationally known with it. So you're a single man. Now, how, how do you manage uh, that that environment? It's a very sensitive topic. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I'm definitely looking for a life partner. Um, and having had you as a as a guest at our house <laughs> where you live, we, we know there was a, a variety of uh, uh, opportunities, a variety of friends. Yes, friends. That's how we, we, we're going to call them. Yeah, friends. You know, um, it, it's about the fit. I, the way I used to think then is different from the way I think now. It's, it's all about the fit. It's about the compatibility and to be able to grow from that. What do you do to keep in shape these days? I mean, a big man like you, I mean, that's not easy. I took a lot of your um, your routines, your daily routines. I, I know you wake up early and the first thing you do is hit that treadmill. I remember that you wake up and you hit that treadmill and you, you would run five miles. And so that's a part of it. I have a gym in my home now um, that I can literally go downstairs and work out. So that's the thing is I, I'm not as active as I would like to be as far as running five miles every day, but I definitely get the um, bones moving and, you know, watch the diet quite a bit. So when you think of young 
uh, young men growing up that are athletes that don't have a professional career ahead of them in basketball or whatever their sport is, what advice do you give to them in terms of how they figure what their passion is going to be? I mean, somehow this dentistry became a passion of yours when you were a player. Where do you look for passion? I mean, where do these young people, you know, they're, they're in college, they're not sure what they're going to do. We're in a pandemic environment. What kind of advice? I mean, here you are, you know, work through a lot of different challenges uh, and you're out the back door. So give our audience, some of the younger people, some advice that you, that you think they'd want to hear. I call it the pause theory. Um, you have to pause life for a second. Um, and, you know, it's hard to tell 18 year olds to stop and then to, you know, take yourself out of the realm of basketball, but you do have to pause. You do have to um, figure out what else in life do you want to do outside of basketball, outside of football, whatnot, outside of the sports arena. My advice is you guys have the biggest platform in the world, Google, you know, um, Google individuals who are like you and who you want to become. For me, growing up, I Googled, I remember uh, reading an article at uh, Black Enterprise of African-American multimillionaires. And that was my thing. I, I, I Googled them. And when I Googled them outside of sports, when I Googled them, they were maybe maybe six or seven. And I know that's totally different now, but they were entrepreneurs. Um, they were hotel owners. They were um, real estate owners. And I started to research them. So Google research individuals outside the realm of just sports and not saying that you're not going to make it into whatever uh, profession you want to go into within the sports arena. But I wanted to know if there were more opportunities, let me at least seek them. Let me at least touch base on them. And that's what I did. Um, I would tell them to be honest with oneself because you come in an environment and the only people who've made it out of your environment are within that realm of rap or sports. Doesn't mean that's your same story. That's the advice that I would give them is that don't follow the path of, you know, others um, emulate the greats. You know, if you, you have someone like a Jed Hughes and you have a Tilling Dungey and, and these very, uh, very significant and prosperous individuals, you know, study them and study their moves and, you know, you, you'll be successful and stay true to your path. Your brother has been really successful in a very different arena. Talk a little bit about that. We're cut from the same cloth. You know, my, my dad was a business owner. I did real estate for 30 years. We saw him just own his own business. I think that's where it comes from. We, we were entrepreneurs at heart. He's been able to acquire four restaurants um, and two nightclubs. And he's expanded his footprints into another market in the Dallas area coming up pretty soon. So he's in the hospitality industry. He's done extremely well, has hosted some great individuals, everyone from Jay-Z to Beyonce to Justin Bieber, LeBron James, you know, uh, you name it. He's been a host to a lot of uh, individuals at some of his uh, sports bars and nightclubs. Is that what they, their sports bars and nightclubs that he has in the Houston area? And, and, and some restaurants as well, yes. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure listening to your journey. And it's just, you're just at the beginning. Just think of what you've accomplished to date. Yeah. How much more is ahead of you. So with that attitude and the spirit you bring, we wish you the best of luck and uh, continue to focus on the positive and that high energy that you bring. So it's been a pleasure 
uh, working with you, knowing you, and watching you grow. Thank you so much for everything you've done. I, you know, I'm, I'm really holding back a tear here because I, I really want to say to you, you, you've been an inspiration. You know, even if I've never met you before, let's say that was the case, just reading about you is tremendous. You know, I can't wait to see you again. I know you'll be back in the area. And, um, you know, I can't wait to just sit back and watch some golf or football, whatever it is. And I just want to say, again, thank you. And I know it's not strong enough um, to really show my appreciation, but I just I want you to understand that. Thank you. Love you dearly. Um, you and the family. And I'll see you guys soon. Well, you've had a special relationship with my son. Yes. You may want to mention a little bit about that. What do you say about him? <laughs> Just seeing him uh, grow up. I mean, you're talking about what, what was he, 13 when I first met him? Uh, and watch him grow to who he is now. And I can only see him surpassing what you've done. Very quiet, humble kid, but I, 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 his spirit is big. Just love who he has become. Some of our just in-person conversations, I'm truly excited who he's going to become. He liked playing yeah. like one-on-one basketball games. Yeah, I, and listen, I, I kid you not. Uh, it has. T- it took me almost three months to get past the fact that this kid, 14 years old, we just beat up on him, and he comes back at at, at 20. Is he now 20? One. 21 now. It comes back and just beats up on me. It's like he had so much anger built in for all those years, and comes back with the greatest jump shot. Couldn't miss a shot comes back and dominates in the paint. And I, I was just, I could not kid you. I was just excited to see the fact that he grew into the person that he is and he will continue to flock. You had a huge impact on all of us. So thanks again, Mo. Thank you.